Well, this is a very, very special episode of the Chop Central Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, my name is Ross Cochran. I have the privilege of hosting this, and I'm joined by Chuck Peters, the director of Life with Kids. Chuck, thank you for doing this. We're at the Child Discipleship Forum when we're having this conversation, so thanks for hanging out with me, man. Yeah, um, Ross, it's great to be here. I'm glad to spend some time with you. So we just met, and one of the things that's so clear to me, and I love f- leaders like you, because as someone who joined this conversation as an adult, I'm, I would expect a level of sort of jadedness almost mm. a level of man. Like I know how this works. Yeah. Like I ran this play in 1995 and I'm going to run this play again. And one of the things that's so clear about you is you wake up every day passionate about child discipleship. And I'm curious for you, where do you feel like that assignment became clear for you with God? When did you feel like, you know, at child discipleship, You've been involved in LifeWay for a long time, but like, where did child deception become? Like, this is the thing that gets me out of bed. Yeah, well, so I started off as a as a young person who wanted to make media. Okay. So my background is in television and video production, radio, things like that. I wanted to be NBC New York guy. Sure. Simultaneously, I've, I felt a deep calling to serve God. Mm. And so most of my life, I went to Bible college and I went to and studied communications. Okay. <laughs> and so I had these two tracks in mm. my life that at the time in the 90s didn't overlap. They didn't cross. And so I had to run parallel ministry, working with students and kids in media, second job, side hustle, which which one was the side hustle? You have to decide, right? Because there were right. two separate things. Yeah, Side hustle and before it was cool. Before it wasn't a thing. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> we're in Nashville, right? It's like, yeah. like country before country was cool or whatever. I don't even know what that is because I'm neither. But at some point in time, I was trusting that God would give me the opportunity to make media for ministry. Yeah. And that happened, oh man, in 2008, so going back a lot of years ago, mm-hmm. where I left a really lucrative, uh, really good job in the secular media world mm-hmm. to take a huge pay cut and move to a, to Nashville to produce media and lead media production for a tiny little company that made media-driven kids' curriculum. It was called Kidmo. And so I came here to do that. Here, we're sitting in Nashville yeah. right now, right? Mm-hmm. So I moved here. Uh, to, to do that. And it was at that point in time that there was just a major change in my awareness, not just of the need for ministry and a calling to ministry, but specifically to see the need and the opportunity to reach kids yeah, and to use comedy and humor and media and energy and excitement to draw kids to Jesus. And it was like this perfect storm, perfect yeah. combination that I was always waiting for. So one of the things that I think is helpful for people too is, you know, when we talk about child discipleship, we talk about it in this sort of 3B discipleship pathway, right? And we use that simply to provide handles around it, right? Belong, believe, become. There you go. I know Look it at well. you. You've yep. been... it's, it's a beautiful construct, and I love how that's unpacked and resilient. Great yeah. book. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you've, been, you've been doing your homework. I appreciate that. But I'm curious for you, what is your perspective on that? Not on 3B specifically, but what is the Chuck Peters perspective on child discipleship? Because I think it's helpful for people to hear the sort of 50,000 foot version of that so that they can find what resonates with them. Yeah. I th- well, that word discipleship is one that although it's not a new word, I think it's its application in the kid space yeah. is still relatively new and it's timely, right? This is, we need to be having this conversation 
the old conversation, the old language of Sunday school Mm -hmm. brings to mind a different posture, a different engagement. Now, there's nothing wrong with Sunday school. God has used Sunday school in amazing ways to bring kids into his kingdom, to educate them in his word. But the model of school is very different than the model of discipleship. Mm. And we are called not not to make pupils or not to make graduates, right? Not to give degrees <laughs> in Bible knowledge, but to make disciples who who love and follow Jesus. That picture of discipleship is something that I have just been living in recently. Yeah. Uh, it's it's heavy on my heart that we are to disciple kids. That mission of making disciples is our mission today. That mm-hmm. the Great Commission is still our mission, and it is and it needs to be in kids ministry. That brings to mind something very different for me. So uh, if we focus on Bible facts, a lot of ministries focus on what you know. We need to teach kids. That's a different approach, right? And what that can lead to at an extreme, an extreme, if we focus on learning Bible facts, we can fill heads but never reach hearts. Mm -hmm. And that can actually become a barrier to knowing and trusting Jesus, mm-hmm. because uh, ministry boils down to uh, intellectualism. On the other side, if we make it all about what you do, what we do, how we behave, and we focus on behavior modification, the do's and don'ts of the Bible, that's that is uh, becomes legalism at an extreme. And so mm-hmm. somewhere in between, we can reach the head or teach the head we can try to control the hands. We want kids to do or not do certain things. But if we miss the heart, we lose the soul. We mm. lose the child. They won't stay in the faith. And I think the biggest fear that we have as ministers to kids and as parents is that is that a child would someday walk away yeah. from the faith and from the Lord. And so if if what we're doing isn't working, at least not at the scale we want it to, we need to do something different. Yeah. And so I think that comes back to discipleship and how do we define it? And so discipleship is more than teaching. It's not, it, teaching is part of it, yes. Discipleship is more than assent to a philosophy or to a, a framework, you know, that, a construct of mm-hmm. some kind, a belief system. It's, it's more than that. What is it? It's, discipleship is more like mentoring. It's more like, it's more like uh, apprenticeship. Yeah. It's walking together and talking together. And I think that's seen so clearly in the first century rabbi who's who's got his Talmud or the Talmudim, the plural of of a disciple. They were said to be covered in the dust of the rabbi. He's he's walking down these dirty, dusty first century roads and kicking up dirt. And his disciples are all following so closely behind that they're just dirty (laughs) because they've been in his presence. Yeah. And then I look at 1 Corinthians uh, 11.1, 1, where Paul says, okay, he, he summarizes, I think, what it means to be a discipler and a disciple. He says, imitate me, therefore, as I imitate Christ. Yeah. And so this is the picture of discipleship. Yeah. It's, I'm following Jesus so close that I'm covered in his dust, and you're following me so close that his dust is coming off of me and onto you. Yeah. That's not a, a Bible study. That's a <laughs> lifestyle. And well, I mean, what stands out to me, like I think about things like, you know, when you ask a kid after their experience in church, did you have fun? Or if your children's ministry, the object is to make your youth pastor seem as cool as possible, right? There's a distance there. Yeah. There is no dust 
being collected right. on those kids from the youth pastor. That is such an entirely different vision. And it, the, the aim, the, the goal of that being, that's such a beautiful picture of having, being so close to Christ that the dust of is going off of him onto, onto the leader, onto the kids. And I'm curious, like, you can't disciple from a distance. Yeah. Right. So that the very definition of discipleship is walking together. Yeah. And so Deuteronomy six, the Shema. Yeah. Right. Uh, these things are to be on our hearts. We are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then impress them on your children. How as you go, as you walk, as you sit, when you lie down, when you rise up, there is an assumption that there is walking together. But it's not just walking together. There's also talking together as we're walking together. And so much of discipleship is the teachable moment in the moment. Yeah. So I want to be careful with this question because I, I think it's relevant, but I, it's also very much an opinion, which is when people get off track, and we all get off track, obviously. Mm -hmm. We all fall short. But I think what has struck me lately is that we fall into this sort of like, okay, we got to pursue sort of like church growth. We got to pursue like bigger is better yeah. or entertainment or flashy kind of things. Yeah. What do you feel like is the more um, uh, counter discipleship forces that are weighing on people on a kind of a macro level right yeah. now? Yeah. Well, I think I mean, part of it is most of us, and dare I say all of us, Anyone who was in ministry started out of a passion for doing ministry. Sure. The pull that that can negatively impact us, that is a danger, is that ministry becomes a job. Mm. And when it becomes our job and it becomes our livelihood, it becomes driven by routines and schedules and requirements and demands and metrics and measures, and growth, and expectations, none of that is being covered in the dust of Jesus. Those are the demands and burdens that we carry as leaders. Now, those things are necessary, right? But as I teach uh, new kids ministry leaders yeah. about what to expect, we all enter in with this amazing enthusiasm, right? I just want to, I'm here because I love kids and because mm -hmm. maybe God's gifted you to be a great communicator. Like you can unfold the scriptures in ways that kids just hang on every word that you say. Yeah. I know people like that. And then they say, I want to do this full time. And they get into a church and they realize if you say, if you work a 40 hour work week, which we all know is wink, wink, <laughs> nobody's doing only 40 hours in ministry, right? <laughs> ministry is, is everything. It's all encompassing. Yeah. Uh, but if you clock 40 hours, nice. And you look at how many hours of ministry with kids do you actually have? Is it an hour a week? Yeah. Is it two? Let's say it's four. Maybe you've got a couple services on Sunday and then a midweek or a Sunday night. Maybe four hours of ministry. That means 10% of your time, is of your work time, is, is with kids. And if you're the leader, if you're the ministry leader, you're probably not even working directly with the kids. You're leading leaders who are working with kids. That can pull our focus. Mm. It can become about doing the job and about being successful. And I don't think that that's the point. I think that that is, I think that is a tool where, you know, we can do good things that are not God things. Mm. And I think we can be distracted by the drive for success and miss being disciplers yeah. of kids who need to see Jesus in us. So I think the way that, 
I want to take this next is beginning to bring this down to today's moment because we've been talking about what's sort of this macro level, some of your experience. But when you think about the leader today, when you and your team are passionate about today, mm. like what, what does it take to disciple a kid today? What are the challenges? What are the things that you and your team are focused on leading folks through today? Yeah, we are, you know, we develop curriculum at Lifeway Kids. We've been working on a new resource that we're going to unveil soon. But as we've worked on that, we came it so close to breaking news us. on this Can't, podcast. Sorry, Did you see sorry. this? Ah, oh, shoot. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not going to come on my Awana Friends podcast and talk about Lifeway resources. <laughs> Listeners, if you're interested, you'll find it later yeah, someday yeah, yeah. somewhere. Don't worry about no, that. No. That's not important right now. <laughs> What's important is the kingdom conversation, right, that, we're, that needs to happen. And I so as we that. have been working on developing this new resource, we have said we need to evaluate what does the church need today? How, how, how do the, cause we already make three different curriculum resources at Lifeway. Do we need another one? Really? We see new resources put into the, you know, the quote marketplace yeah. all the time for church leaders to choose from. They've all got a scope and sequence and a study plan and they all have a strategy and they all, but they're all not that different. Really? Sure. There's all crafts and snacks and Bible stories. That's it's all in there. So how do you really do anything different? And then, but the bigger question is, what does the church need today mm. that's not available today? And and I believe that the answer is what we need is a resource that fosters discipleship. Mm. So this conversation that we're having is very timely for me. The conversations that my team and I have been having is, boy, what if we encouraged? the church, or at least offered an opportunity for the, an option, a resource for those who are of the mindset that we need to flip the script. Mm. So most of us, many of us in ministry lead with our content and, and our content is king. We, we must teach the word of God. We want to celebrate and elevate scripture. We want to point to Jesus. Jesus should never be hard to find in your kids ministry resource, right? If you have to add Jesus, something is wrong. He should be prevalent and evident in everything. So those are standards that we are never going to depart from, that values that we share very closely, our Amen. organizations. Yeah. But what's missing is people now don't know how to relate. Mm. We've been through a couple of years of lockdown and isolation. We know that the current generation of kids is the, the loneliest and most isolated generation that we've ever had. We're more connected through social media in virtual ways, but we have fewer and fewer quality relationships IRL in nice. real life, right? Nice. They're not there. Yeah. Ministry, we already said, you can't disciple from a distance. We mm -hmm. have to get dirty. Yeah. You've got to be dusty, and that dust has to come off onto somebody. That means proximity. So although we can have, and I'm a big fan of media, although we can have virtual resources, ministry can never be virtual. R ministry has always got to be personal. And so what churches need now, more than anything, is direction on how to build relationships. How do we, people my generation, Generation X, or millennials, now down to Gen Y, Z, LMNOP. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do we connect across these generational lines in ways that are meaningful? Yeah. Right, because the three measures that, that I would say are what we need to, um, to uh, accomplish are TRI, trust, respect, and influence. Okay. And so we, we want to, as church leaders, assume that we have influence because we're the, you walk into the church and I'm the teacher, I have, you're going to listen to me. We can't assume that kids want to listen. 
Yeah. We can't assume that kids want to be there. Maybe somebody brought them. Maybe somebody drugged them. Maybe somebody bribed <laughs> them. We've got kids every week who don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. If we assume that they are there to learn and listen, that's the wrong assumption. Yeah. Right? So we need to meet them at a different place. We, we, and what I think we need to do, Ross, is we need to connect with them relationally. Every kid needs to be seen and known and valued in our church. So we need to train our leaders not just how to teach a Bible story, right? We, a lot of us are, are mourning the loss of some of our longtime teachers, our legacy teachers after COVID. We've had some older folks who have been faithful for years and wonderful teachers uh, who, who their uh, strength is that they're a master teacher. They mm -hmm. can teach. Now, we have a bit of maybe a shortage of those teachers in the new pool of volunteers that we're trying to recruit. But maybe, just maybe, what we need to be recruiting for today is a little bit different. Mm. Now, what happened in the old school, right, with those teachers, uh, I had a teacher, Mrs. Myers, when I was a kid. And Mrs. Myers, she was a teacher. She was a literal teacher who became a Sunday school teacher. <laughs> but here's what happened with her. She, she came to ministry as a teacher, but she cared about me. Yeah. And I knew that she knew my name and my needs and my stories and my dreams. She knew my family. She knew my situation. She knew what my interests were. Nobody taught her that other than maybe the Lord. But she, although she approached ministry from a teaching starting point, she reached relationally. So today, I think what we need to do is, is teach people how to reach first. If we can learn as leaders how to engage and how to see kids and make kids feel seen, they, it's, it's not enough for us to see them and say, oh, I saw you. They need to know that they were seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they need to know that they're heard. They need to know that they have a voice and that they have a value. That doesn't happen accidentally. Maybe it did with Mrs. Myers, but that wasn't the starting point. That was a trickle down. Now, when we start with a starting point of relationship – and we build trust and respect, those things take time, especially with kids today. It takes time for me to know if I'm going to trust you. And, and if I only see a leader once a quarter, there's no relationship that's built there. This, this requires a different ask of our volunteer base. Yeah, I think what we need is we need to be asking for commitment. We need to be asking for them to make connection. We need them to be consistent. We need the same people each week, at least for a season. The rotation of every uh, every week there's a different leader, I believe, is a miss. Yeah. Because what it does is it undermines our ability to disciple. Yeah. Right? We They need to see the same faces in the same places, and we need to have connections that grow over time. Then, then, after we know them and they know us, eyes, ears, hearts, and minds are open, and barriers come down, and now they can hear what we have to say, and now they care what we have to say. You know, that old saying, they don't, nobody cares what you know until they know that you care. Yeah. It's, it's trite, but it's true. Yes. It's true. And so we need to reach this generation first with them knowing that we care. Yeah. Not that we have an agenda, not that we have a, 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 a metric that we're trying to hit, but but that they know that we genuinely see them and care for them. That's belong, believe, become. For they sure. They need to know that they belong here. It's a safe place and they're wanted. And then over the course of time, they can come to believe. Well, man, there's so much good stuff there. Because 
one of my favorite things about working for a curriculum provider, yeah, right, is I get to say all the time to the Mrs. Myers of the world, yes, right, you already know how to do the hard part, mm-hmm. right? You already know how to disciple your kids. I can't tell you how to disciple the the Timmys, the Bobbies, the Jimmys, the Susies in your in your classes. I want to make sure that you feel as equipped as possible to love those kids well. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't have to teach you how to love those kids well because you wouldn't be listening to me talk right now if you didn't love those kids. Right. And I love that. And I love the fact, forgive me for just calling this out, but I love watching folks like you. I came to the faith as an adult. I yeah. love watching folks like you whose faces light up mm-hmm. talking about the Mrs. Myers of the world. Yeah. Because every single person yes. who came to know the Lord which is the majority of the church as a child, every single person, when they talk about their Mrs. Myers, mm-hmm. has the same reaction. And I love talking. My, my favorite part of my job is getting to talk to all the Mrs. Myers of the world yes. who might not know that they're Mrs. Myers. Yeah. And I want to I wanna shift there because we're, we're talking right now in September. And for a lot of folks, that's the sort of traditional start of the ministry year. Now, folks right now are giggling because they're like, I never stopped. What do you mean there's a start of a ministry year? Especially There there used to be these lulls, these (laughs) seasonal, that doesn't happen anymore. Like everything in life, it's faster and it's constant. Now, what I love about this idea of flipping the script is this inherent idea that there used to be a different way. And we're sort of returning to what was perhaps a simpler way, a more getting getting dirtier kind of way. I think a lot about the leader right now who's hearing things like having different leaders every week is a miss. Yeah. Right? And they're going, of course I want that. Yes. But I can't. Every week I'm texting folks on Saturday and I'm begging them. Or I'm spending hours trying to piecemeal this curriculum so it makes sense for the six kids on my Sunday. Yes. So in two parts, what I'm, what I'm curious about is one, how do we encourage that leader that like, this is worth it. This matters because you are the Mrs. Myers. Yes. Right. But also there's a bigger vision to keep in mind here that whatever your context looks like, I don't know what makes sense for you. I'm not going to pretend to know what makes sense for you, Yeah. but that there is a, there is needs to be a worthwhile conversation on what is the most discipleship-focused version of your ministry. Yes. How do we walk leaders like that who are feeling overwhelmed through that? Sure. I think it starts with identifying a clear and compelling why Mm. for our ministries. Everybody can tell you. They can rattle off the who, what, where, when, and how of ministry. They know what time, what day, what resource, what curriculum, who's supposed to be in the room, maybe, right? <laughs> supposed to be because we always get that last minute, oh, no, now i got to replace them. But we know those things. Yeah. Very few leaders can articulate a clear and compelling reason, a why for their ministry. Why do we do this? Is it child care? Well, no, we know. We, no, it's not. Right. Does our pastor think it is? Do other people think it is? Maybe. And if that's the case, we may not be communicating a clear purpose for what we're doing. We are discipling children. We are spe- children are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of right now. There's no junior Holy Spirit, right? They need, they need him now. There's if we say, uh, I like to say, if we recruit out of need and obligation, 
N-O. Need obligation spells a no. <laughs> we need, and we've all seen this as recruiters in the church, we just need three more people in the yeah. nursery or we're going to have to shut it down and we're not, every head is bad, every eye is closed. I'm waiting for three volunteers. That need and obligation, that used to work. Older, the older generation was more prone to feeling responsible or accountable or obligated to take things on. And so God bless the Mrs. Myers generation because they stepped up whether they wanted to or not because there was a need and they could meet it. The new generation doesn't operate that way. If we're still recruiting out of need and obligation, people are going to resist that. I don't want to get roped in. I don't want to do something that my time is valuable. If there's no return on my investment, why am I doing this? I'm being pulled a thousand directions. Why add one more? Mm -hmm. We need to give them a reason that says, guys, of everything that's going on in your life, the time that you spend here investing in the life of a kid is the most important thing you could ever do. And when we can recruit with that, Here's what we're doing. We're gonna, we want every kid you know, to, to know Jesus and show Jesus, and that's it. That's the mission. It's simple. It fits on a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. right? It can be on my email signature. It's on our wall. We can recite it in the hallway. Man, when you work in this kid ministry, we want kids to know Jesus and show Jesus. Here's what we, It's know him and make him known. It's very simple. And when we can get people rallied around something that's happening, and then we need to let people see results. Yeah. The other thing is when we serve and serve and serve and we as volunteers are not seen or valued or known, we're getting a piece of paper that's left in a box for us. We read the paper to the kids. We keep them safe for an hour and we leave. That's a horrible, (laughs) in terms of my motivation, Yeah. that's a horrible motivation. We as leaders have to communicate that clear and compelling reason. We learned through COVID that everything is everything is contagious, right? Everything, <laughs> you're, Ross, you're, I'm sitting too close to you right now. We're within six, <laughs> but you're contagious. Yes. But the truth is, my, my takeaway from that, from the ministry standpoint, is whatever you have is contagious. Yep. Whatever it is, if you are downtrodden and negative and <laughs> discouraged and I don't know, you're the Eeyore, everybody around you is going to be that way. Yeah, You attract people who are going to be like you. And if you are negative and, uh, and, and not inspiring, your ministry is going to be that way. But if you, if you can, and it's not, doesn't come natural for everybody to be the enthusiast, right? Mm-hmm. However, if people can see your heart, your passion is contagious. We need to let people see our passion and so, again, if we're doing this as a job where we need to fill slots, and yeah. that's my motivation is fill a slot, that's very hard to get people but that need an obligation approach. But when we can recruit someone and sit down and say, let me tell you about what we're doing and why this is so important, the most important thing happening in the church, and then we can talk about your gifts and an exciting experience that we're creating and a satisfaction that comes from that, you get Y-E-S your gifts and exciting experience and the success and satisfaction you'll feel. It's how we recruit and it's who we recruit. When we recruit right up front and we say, here's what we want to do. We're trying to build relationships with kids. Uh, And a lot of people don't feel qualified to teach the Bible. You know, I don't know enough uh, or I couldn't do that like Mrs. Myers could teach. And we can say, you know what? I can help you with teaching. Yeah. We can help with teaching. Now there's so many resources that do a lot of the heavy lifting of teaching with video or they make it very easy. If you mm-hmm. use a, any reputable curriculum, makes yeah. the teaching part easy. 
what they can't do for us is own the relationship. And that's, that's the difference. Amen. Your time is very valuable. And I want to, I want to land the plane here with one thing, which is you wind up bringing literally your notebook. And I think this is so funny for people who are watching, which is just that like, (laughs) you're an incredibly authentic leader in that we started this talking about the fact that, and it could just be my own adult cynicism, but what I love about working in children's ministry is it's this part of the church that I think has not lost the joy of the people that we serve in kids because so many of the children's ministry folks who have been connected for longer than I think you said 2008. So longer than 10 years. Remember that ultimately we work with kids, right? And it's a great time. And when you talk to folks who work with adults, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of that downtrodden stuff you're talking about. But for folks who are watching, for folks who are who are listening to us, I'm curious, what are some other things that are from this, yeah. like that are sort of top of mind for you? Like what, yeah. what can we leave folks with that are sort of bouncing around? Oh, right, well, let uh, me, let me, yeah. cl- let me uh, close the loop on yeah. the flip the script. Yes. So flip the script is the idea we want to turn again. Content is extremely important. What we teach matters. Mm-hmm. James three, one, right. says, let not many become teachers because as, as such, you'll incur stricter judgment. Clearly what we teach matters. So I am not saying what we teach doesn't matter, but what I'm saying is how we reach really matters. And so it's who's teaching and who's leading is so important to get those right people. That word, uh, when we say flip the script, flip uh, is an acronym in my head. Okay. So uh, as my team has developed this concept of flipping the script, the acronym FLIP represents four key relationships. As we talk about discipleship, it's always in the context of relationship. There are four big connections that I think every kid needs to have at church. So I want to hit those for you. The first one, the F, is friends. Every kid needs to find a friend. If we, f- And so we need to build ministries that have a focus to foster friendships. When we hmm. meet in rows and the focus of the ministry is sit still, face forward, be quiet, how can a friendship develop? Hmm. That's, that's the classroom, the school model. Circles are better than rows. And so as we sit around and we play together and we interact together, we need to build opportunity into our ministry time for kids to make a friend. We as the adult need to help them do that because kids don't automatically just know stuff about each other. Did, hey, did you know that she plays soccer too? You guys... Now we can make connections. So Especially every, for today's kids who... Absolutely. Yeah. Some of them have had a couple years now of missing human interaction, mm-hmm. which we started off by saying that's that's the key to the whole thing is, is relationships in real life. Mm-hmm. So every kid needs to find a friend, at least one, uh, at church. They also need to have one leader. That's the L. At least one leader who knows their name and their need, who misses them when they're gone, who notices them when they're back. We know re- attendance is irregular, mm-hmm. right? Or, or regular attendance is irregular, right? Nice. Because we know it's every couple of weeks we might uh-huh. see a kid and we might not see them every other week. Somebody, they need a leader who knows their name and who looks them in the eye and says, oh, I missed you. It's so good to see you back. Come on, let's come over here and let's color. What have you been up to? Mm-hmm. Take an interest in their life. That's the Mrs. Myers, a friend, a leader. The other, the I is influencers. Every adult in church, every leader in your ministry is an influencer. The person who greets them at the door, the worship leader, the kid up front, the teenager up front doing hand motions. My daughter is a kid's ministry leader. 
at her church. And when my 16-year-old son volunteers in her ministry, all he has to do is show up. And those younger kids want to be like Tyson. Sure. Like, wow, he's, he's using his Bible. I'm going to get mine. Everybody is an influencer. But we need to encourage people to be aware that kids watch you. Mm. You are an influencer to them. And then the P is pastors. Kids' ministries and the main ministry of the church are, are sometimes in separate buildings. There's, they're different wings. They're down the hall. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's to keep the noise out of the sanctuary. I don't know. But we need to make efforts for kids to know that their pastors are people, that mm-hmm. the pastor is their pastor too. It's not hard to do, but we as kids leaders need to invite the pastor to come in and give out high fives when kids are coming to VBS. Yep. Uh, just be there to share you know, three fun things that you didn't know. My favorite cereal, I have a dog, and whatever else. And it doesn't even need to be teaching. Yeah. Just for kids to know that the pastor is a person, not a persona on a platform. They need to be real. And so friends, leaders, influencers, pastors, these are all opportunities to engage kids in relationship. And the more points of connection that a kid has in the church, the more likely they are to stick. If they've only got one point of contact, that's a weak and loose connection. So we want to build flip relationships. So flip is on my mind. Chuck, thanks for doing this, man. It has been a pleasure to get to know you. It is, I am so encouraged to know I'll close with this, which is just my family and I right now are in a season of church hopping. Hmm. And when you were sharing that, I was thinking about this experience I have with my daughter, which is we went to this church and it was a really positive experience. Yeah. But my daughter wasn't, wasn't feeling it. She's almost seven. And I couldn't figure out why. And my son walked in like, you know, the place he's three. Walked in like he owned the place. Afterwards, the leaders were like, please bring him back. Like <laughs> he was he was perfectly comfortable. And I couldn't figure out what the deal was. And it's it's that. She didn't have a friend. She had leaders. She was had people who were ready to be influencers, but there weren't kids that age at that particular service. So she glonk, she connected with me because she didn't yet feel comfortable. Yeah. Because church hopping with kids is obviously very challenging, regardless. Yes. Right. And I love I'm just so grateful, and there are plenty of people who, especially if you're still listening to Chuck and I talk, <laughs> that you are out there for families like mine mm-hmm. who are looking for church homes, who are looking to lay deep roots as we build the church of today, the church of tomorrow, to build lasting faith in kids because your leadership in organizations like Lifeway uh, make that possible. So just thank you for your ministry. Um, it's been really great to get to know you and thanks everybody for listening man thank you Ross glad to be here the Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana thanks to the donations of generous folks like you Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples when you give to Awana you are investing in lasting faith young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.